Yeah, no, actually, uh, build bows. I built bows. You do? Mm-hmm. Well, how come you don't shoot them um, that much? Because I'm, I have a hard time not filling tags. I'm one of those guys that I have to fill <laughs> okay. tags. I so, get it. I get yeah. it. So there's certain things, like if I go whitetail hunting, mm-hmm. um, and... Like it's been a pl- it's a place that I've already killed a whitetail before. Uh huh. Yeah. I, don't, I have no problem bringing a stick bow. Oh, gotcha. But if it's like one of the ones I need for my grand slam or something like that, then no, I always bring the compound. <laughs> gotcha. I just I don't know, man. Are and you I doing the, Are you doing the grand slam? I have. I need one more. I oh, really? A, I need to kill a whitetail up by you. And I'm oh, gone. like like what's that species considered? So you, there's two actually. There's actually two. I, technically, I need to get what's called a Pacific Northwest. Uh, if 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 I'm following the whitetail slam uh-huh. map, if I'm doing okay. that, I could shoot anything in Washington, Oregon, or most of Idaho, and it and it falls in that category. Okay. Okay. Uh, but if I'm following um, the actual whitetail subspecies um, rubric or whatever uh-huh. you want to call it, I need a, what's called a Columbia whitetail. Oh, yeah. So you got – that's in uh, southwest Washington and right. northwest Oregon, yeah. yeah, right on the Columbia River there. Exactly. Got so it. those are pretty hard to get because they're mostly on public land from what I understand – or on private land from what I understand. And, um. Like I looked at into some hunts and stuff. They're like, go on a freaking nice elk hunt for the product cost yeah. of that deer. And they're you know? dinks. They're yeah. little buggers. Oh, you should have seen the little bugger that I just shot now in freaking in Florida. It was like an eighty-five inch deer, but that's like a stud for that. Really? So, oh, yeah. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. So that was a good uh, that was a good article that you wrote there, bro. Anyway, so. I looked at that and just talking about this, um, that article, uh-huh. I don't know if I can share my screen on this one. I don't think I can, but, um, that, that I, I agree with you. And the reason why I put the dot where I put the dot, uh-huh. um, I'm trying to find it. There it is. Um, I'm assuming, let me see. It, it was just that mule deer that's got his head turned to the, yeah, he's like, I guess you've been like looking this. at the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason why I have it there is that if he doesn't react, he's still gonna. You're still gonna kill him. True. Yes, sir. But if he does react, he's gonna turn to the side that he's already turned to, and it's gonna go right where you're telling me to put the dot. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's good. Why, and that's why. Okay. I there. Okay. So I have always you... think about, especially with deer, I'm always thinking about how they're. You know, health a little different because I mean they yeah. they react too, but they're. they're quite a bit slower in my opinion but yeah to doing so yeah they can still seem to get out of the way of my stick bow arrows pretty good <laughs> oh yeah i bet you know what man um and i don't know what yours sounds like but my stick bow you don't even hear it go off yeah i mean so mine are quiet ones anyway yeah they're quiet but i mean they still make a noise and they're tra- the arrows traveling so much slower that they got a lot of time to react man how fast is your shooting Oh, I'm about 175 is where I. That's the that's trajectory. 
that's the trajectory that I like. That's with about a 540 grain arrow. That's not bad, man. That's yeah. that's moving for you know a recurve. Well, you you should uh, yours is um, I shoot longbow lunar, and re- shoot lunar longbow riser and stuff, right? Uh, well, I've got longbows that are that are G10 risers. I've got aluminum okay. risers. I got wood. I got I got it all, man. Yeah, gotcha. I'm 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 oh for something like from from my perspective, I can't get into a even though the ones I have are are modern, but I, if if uh-huh. it's going to be a recurve or it's going to be a longbow, it has to uh-huh. be a single piece. I don't like takedowns. I don't like yeah. I don't like the the modernness of those other ones. Yeah. Like, I don't know. For me, it's like and, and they're a better bow, you know, for most part. Um, one piecers are yeah, one piecers are one awesome. Right there is a super uh-huh. recurve. Did you make um, that? No, that I bought. That's a border border oh, that yeah. makes that. Yep, That's like sure, a yeah. fifteen, sixteen hundred dollar bow. It's yep. a super recurve. That thing I, I shoot five hundred and five hundred and fifty grains, so not super, super heavy arrow. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that shoots at like one ninety something. Yeah, I would I would not have fifty, doubt that 50 a bit. pounds. Yeah. Yep. That's a fast yeah, they're, bow. They're fast. Yeah. So For sure. Anyway. So um if you haven't figured it out by now, we're talking to Joel Turner, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about shot placement, but mostly talk about the frontal shot, the contra- the controversial frontal shot. Right. So um, I hear it all the time. Matter of fact, I did some research. I just wrote that article um, because I, you know, I, I was. This podcast came about because I wrote that article, and I, I didn't want to publish it, but I published it anyway. Um, but I did some research to see if some guys were right, had written anything that was kind of like what I wrote. Uh, Aaron mm-hmm. Snyder wrote something that was very similar. But everybody that I came across a lot of articles were like, oh, don't do it. Don't, you know, don't, you know, just condemn right. the frontal shot. <clears throat> right. It's not for everybody, for sure. Yeah, it's, and it's not for all equipment either, as we'll probably go into. But yes, agreed. Let's start with the uh, if you are this or if that, this is when you should not shoot. I think is a good way to okay weed out or not necessarily weed out, but kind of uh, eliminate the people that are on the fence about it. Okay, so. What's your, what's your thoughts? Like, what are what are a hundred percent never do if 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 you're presented with a frontal shot, or if you're not capable of this, or if you don't have this equipment, or I don't know. I, I don't even know how to attack it. I did, this is one of the few where you know I usually organize my thoughts about it, but I figured uh, it's just it's really you know first and foremost it's equipment specific, okay. right? I w- I would not go shooting a broadhead. And the problem is not necessarily that, I mean, there are bone structures there, but it's no different than the ribs that you're trying to get to from the side, right? You've got a couple of ribs that are outlining that that uh, that recess in their chest there, right? Just like if you felt right. on yourself, you can feel your clavicle and all that stuff. Clavicle, yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's not big bones as far as broadheads are concerned. But the problem with frontal shots is the neck hide. I mean, mm-hmm. the hide on an elk's neck is is so thick right. that if you're, if you're shooting a broadhead that takes away any of your energy, 
out of your bow, probably not a good idea to be shooting that on a frontal shot, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but if you're shooting a good broadhead with a fairly decent cut-on contact, and a lot of broadheads that are out there these days that are that are considered cut-on contact, they're dull in the front, right? right? I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. come, they look like a blade, but if you look at it, if you really look at it, the blade at the front is flat. It's almost a blunt edge. So mm -hmm. you have to rework those broadheads so it's actually a knife edge when it's when it's entering, right? So it actually cuts on that entrance. You right. know, you've got to do some tests on your broadhead. You know, stretch an elk hide over that broadhead. How many pounds does it take? Like if you are stretching an elk hide over your broadhead, like you got it sitting on the knock, mm -hmm. and you're you're stretching that elk hide over it, it should not bend your arrow. Right. right? That that broadhead should slice through that elk hide without bending your arrow. And if it if it doesn't, then you're taking away a lot of energy when you get in that neck meat, right? And you've got oh, yeah. to go you got to go through the neck hide. Then you're going to be coming in underneath that windpipe if you do things right. But you, mm -hmm. you're dealing with a lot of meat, a lot of muscle going through there to get that broadhead into that chest cavity. So I don't know that I'd be shooting a mechanical into into a, a frontal shot unless you've got mass momentum and kinetic energy going on in your system. Yeah, um, and then you've got you know you got blades folding out and all that stuff. So I don't know. You got a lot of stuff that will impede your penetration. Or me, the front. and I don't know if you, did you ever get a chance to uh, look at my broadhead test that I did this this past? Uh, uh, I looked at a little. I didn't get through the whole thing though. No. Yeah, if if you go through and look at it, and I didn't do a whole lot of mechanicals. I basically picked like three mechanicals that had mm -hmm. that three different stuff. So basically, in mechanical world, there's the over-the-top openers, mm -hmm. the rear deploys, yep. the mid-deploy, and then there's your, there your hybrids that have a little cut-on contact mm -hmm. blade or they have a bleeder blade and then some variation of the other three right. uh, of the mechanical. The over-the-top and the rear deploy take away a ridiculous amount of energy mm -hmm. upon contact. So my cousin Anthony um, was shooting a Rage hype, mm -hmm. uh, Tripan, Tripan, yes, mm -hmm. Rage Tripan, two inch, um, in his elk hunt this year. He had a 40 yard shot. He shoots 68 pounds. He's not a long draw length. He's 27 and a half, or maybe 28, but 27 and a half. His total arrow weight is two, uh, two, not two, excuse me, 464, I think it is. So not a super light arrow. I mean. Not a super heavy arrow, but not a super light arrow. Matter of fact, it's the same weight that I shoot, um, only shorter. So he's got good, he's got pretty good FOCs, like right around eighteen percent FOCs. Okay. Um, and he couldn't hit that elk in a better spot, and he only got one lung. And like that, just I mean, I proved it beforehand, and then he went and. Shot it anyway. He should, he had his reasons for shooting it because he was having some tuning issues and he didn't want to mm -hmm. change things up. But he only got one lung, and he almost didn't recover that. He ended up recovering that bull three days later, out of luck, not because he was able to trail it. I mean, it had just like most uh, most shots with a rage, you get a really good you know entry wound, which is excellent. A lot of blood in the beginning, and then nothing. You know, so yeah, we had the same thing happen on a perfectly broadside shot in New Mexico this year, where a fella tried that. Uh, he was shooting a Rage no collar, 
yep. and which takes a significant amount of pressure to even get the blades to deploy. And it right. went in four inches and he was shooting pretty heavy yep. poundage. He was a, a buff dude and he was shooting pretty heavy poundage. It went, I mean, it went in four inches and fell out. Yeah. It's, and it it's was, absolutely, I, I've seen it bounce. My, my buddy, Charles, um, he shot at a, was it a hog? Yeah, it was a hog. It bounced off the shield. Oh. And he shot at a deer, and it broke at the feral. And that, oh, that, was, that was a couple of years ago. And after I saw that, I was like, I'm out. Yeah. You're, yeah. You can't get me to shoot those. We've shot them. You know, we, we've shot them with crossbows and stuff, and, and yeah. they deploy great on deer and such. But I'm just not a fan of my It was designed. On, it was designed that. for a whetail on it. That's yeah, what it really sure. was. It was. And, and, but I, you see it all the time. It's a great, it's a great broadhead for whitetail yeah. hunting. Close quarters, but right. out west where you're shooting deer at well, much longer ranges, 50 you know yards or so, it's not shooting at 20 yards out of a tree stand. Right. You know, and, and I just I feel like so you yeah I mean your your broader design obviously is a huge deal on front right. shots especially right so and that's one of the reasons why I shoot a Valkyrie because that takes three Valkyries pounds are awesome three pounds of pressure to put that point through that through that hide. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's just nothing. I mean, it doesn't bend your arrow. You can just put that height over it. There's just a little dimple, and then whoop, it goes right through there. So I've, I mean, we've done a lot of frontal shots with Valkyries. Man, they have just been phenomenal with it. But any of those, any super sharp points, like uh, Grim Reaper Hades has got a super sharp point mm-hmm. these days. I and mean, a lot of them have a very, very sharp point now. Really look at your broadheads when you take them out of the package, because, yes, the blades are sharp, but if that point is dull... And you're right. really hindering. You're hindering that initial penetration. So that's a big deal, right? And uh, so you know, make sure that your equipment is good to go there. Uh, you know, arrow weight is subjective, but you know, I shoot a pretty heavy arrow. But I'm shooting a stick bow. I mean, I've only I only shoot yeah, like need... 30, 32 pounds of oh, kinetic wow. energy. Yeah. However, I'm shooting 30 plus percent FOC. Yeah. I mean, I have 350 grains in the front of my arrow. <laughs> and so it, it actually, it changes the dynamic. It actually, the momentum pulls the shaft through. There's very little shaft drag. So I get, I mean, I shoot right through these bulls with a 48-pound longbow, right? 48-pound awesome. recurve. They just, it blows right through them from the side. And I'm not afraid to shoot a frontal shot just because of the the penetration power that I know that I have in my system and I know where to shoot them, right? And I'm not dealing with bones and and such. So um, I'm sure we'll get into that. But, you know, as far as people's ability to shoot, right? Yeah. A lot of times, especially when I'm doing this bull calling cow's bugle, I'm calling these bulls in really close. Right. And does the person that's shooting, if they're shooting sights and release, do they know where to aim to hit the point, the exact point of impact they want at five yards, do they know it at eight yards, right? Because you get into that, <laughs> do they know it at three yards, right? Like Lamper shot a bull frontal this year at, at three yards. Do you that's know crazy. where your do you know where your bow hits? Because that's when you're dealing with massive mechanical offset, right? Mm-hmm. Your arrow d- hasn't yet reached your pin, so you're you're going to hit lower than you think. But then it, when you get to about, hang on, I'll ask Bodie. Bodie, hey Bodie, hang on, he's got his headphones on, he's doing his homework. Hang on. Hey, Bodie, listen to me for a second. At what range do, do you change? Like, you have to aim at, like, at three yards. What 
what site mark do you use? Okay, so at three yards, we're talking 42 yards. So you got to so aim like my bow is fifty. I use my fifty-yard pin when it's under five yards. Okay, so then, but then once you get to what distance, Bodie, does yours change significantly? Like you know, at at three yards, you got to aim like it's forty-two. But when you get to like seven and eight, it changes, right? So, like, okay, so you're actually hitting over your pin at eight to ten yards, right? With your twenty-yard pin. See, that's the big flop. There is a yep. flop at, at where that you know where that thing hits, and and your mechanical offset actually reverses once it reaches a pin, right? So you got to know those things, and if you don't, then you're not going to be you know that frontal shot needs more accuracy. So knowing yeah. that, because a lot of times these frontal shots are taken very close, and and guys don't know where to aim, so that's a big yep. deal. I mean, you don't have to be a super expert shooter, but you do have Before. to know your system before and th this kind of saves you on that but mm -hmm. you have to practice this but before mm -hmm. i knew what my which pin to use sub five yards mm -hmm. um i would just lift my anchor up and look down the shaft of my arrow and look mm. through my um look through my drop away and my drop away acts as like a sight and i could see where sure. i hit and it'll hit and like I learned how to do that in low light scenarios too. Like, you know, if you're in a ground blind or something like that, and it's light, darker inside, you can't see your pins anymore or whatever. Sure. Shoot down the shaft of your arrow, like just like yeah. you're shooting, you know, a tread bow. Right. But, so I mean, I <laughs> let's see. About four years ago, I finally told my hunting partner. I said. I'm not making any more elk sounds for you unless you take your sights off your bow. Because <laughs> so, I was calling him in these bulls, and we had these frontal shots, and he kept hitting them high and low and, oh. and, uh, and all over the place. And then we were doing, uh, you know, he kept hitting limbs. They didn't see through his sights and all this and that. So I'm like, look, dude, I can teach you how to shoot your compound with a release, bare bow. It's a very lethal system, as you're explaining right there, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. you get yourself down to like a 40-yard point on, uh -huh. And man, you oh, can yeah. really see where that arrow is going. It's really cool. So yeah. you know, normally how you have the the split of like if you're shooting a T-handle release, you have that split of your fingers on your right. jawline. You just take that split and you move it up to your cheekbone. Yep. And so you actually split your cheekbone with your fingers. And man, it's a very deadly system on elk. So I've yeah. killed I've killed uh, I think five bulls that way. So it's yeah. it's pretty cool. So it's exactly what you're doing. But if if a person didn't know to do that. Mm -hmm. they're they're lost and it'd be weird to be lost within you know the bull's five yards away so most people just stick their rack of pins on that thing and let her eat yeah well that that <laughs> probably isn't that probably is not going to be so successful so punch and pray right so knowing your equipment and you know and, and the reason i asked bodie that's because he shoots very precise work at, at very close distances you know when he's shooting mm -hmm. safari and when he's shooting other 3d tournaments they'll throw a two yarder in yeah yeah that's where i learned mine from from freaking 3d shooting mm -hmm. i didn't know that before i would just like okay i'm closer it's time for me to aim here or when i'm i right. take my you know i take my 20 and honestly i'm i'm pretty proficient at doing that because i did it that way for so long mm -hmm. that if my mind goes to that i think i'd be okay um you know i have i've had missed deer out of tree stands before mm -hmm. because of that right. i used to back in the day when i really got into hunting western game out here 
um, when I moved out here in, in the in the 90s, um, I, I I abandoned having a 20 yard pin. I had thir- I had 30 to 80. Okay. Or 30 to yeah 30 to 80 yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I would go back east or I'd go to the Midwest and I'd be shooting whitetail out of a tree stand and it freaking come under me at like you know mm-hmm. nine yards or whatever mm-hmm. and I'd have a 30 yard pin. And yeah. I always have to think to myself, okay, I got to do this, I got to do that. And I, I missed an absolute. <laughs> the probably would have been the bigger, biggest buck of my life because mm-hmm. of that. And that that day is when I actually, for from that day on, what I started doing was my top pin I'd set at 15 yards oh, because okay. when I'd use it for 20. Mm-hmm. You know, it was marginal. Right. It was such a fast bow, you know, mm-hmm. and I was shooting a uh, faster arrow even. I was at four, mm-hmm. 412 or 420 grains at that time mm-hmm. um, that I'd set. My, it would be 15, 30, and then, you know, all the way. I had a seven pin. I moved to a seven pin at that point. I still shoot a mm-hmm. seven pin now. Mm-hmm. But 15 yards, when I have, if I sighted it in at 15 yards, when I had a deer underneath me on the stand at like nine yards, 10 yards, I, I could just hold the pin on and it'd be fine. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, are we going to get into how yeah. to, how to look at a critter for this yes. frontal shot? Let's, let's talk about body positions and, okay. and where to, where to, where you, I guess let's talk a little bit about anatomy first mm-hmm. and then let's, let, let's, roll into the body positions and where you know you think or if we can describe it to where to hold for right. the shot so i just i always imagine this like a red ball right in the mm-hmm. middle of the chest cavity and you know when you in 3d you look at something in a 3d image and you can just turn the animal but the red ball doesn't move right, right. So you're just turning that critter all 360 degrees and you'll find all your different angles to get to the red ball basically, right? Mm-hmm. So that frontal shot, what what messes people up is they're looking at the head and the neck and they may have been told, you know, shoot them where the neck meets the body or whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. the way that I look at that frontal shot is I completely eliminate the head and neck. Like if mm-hmm. you were to just chop that thing straight off, where there was no portion of the neck on the critter and you're left with an oval, right? right? You're left with that oval of the chest cavity and you simply shoot the center of the oval. And depending on the angle that you're at, uh, sometimes, you know, you have to snake that thing in somewhat toward the side of the, through the side of the neck, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes there's, there's a certain point at which the ball is covered by the scapula, right? And it's that, it's that minor, quartering toward you shot that they like to do they like to put their shoulders toward the bad thing right toward the something mm-hmm. that they're suspicious about they'll put that shoulder towards it and you know i think that i truly think that that critters know where their armor is that's why they stop behind trees and all this stuff when they see something they'll they'll cover their they know where they live right they know where their lungs are so um it's it's looking at that red ball, completely remove the head and neck, and just shoot the center of the oval when you're dealing with straight front-on type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then if you get those slight angles, you can still work it through those that the clavicle and that first rib when he's hard-quartered to you, but then there gets to a certain point at where 
you're going to have to go through scapulas and shoulder bones. And, and the problem with coming in from that steep of an angle from the front is, you know, you're either going to glance to the inside or glance to the outside. And it's going to be really hard to defeat that bone when it's on that angle. Like mm-hmm. if you're coming in through, through complete broadside on a scapula, like, I mean, you can throw a Valkyrie or lots of different broadheads right through a scapula on an elk. Yep. Even the, even the lower portion of the scapula. You can yeah, put them my, through the hum. You can put them through the humerus, right? My right. my hunter this year shot right through the scapula um, as he was shooting a cootie point. Yeah, mine mine went right Zip through. Zip right through it and, and buried like two inches into the tree behind him. <laughs> yeah, my uh, one of my guys was uh, shot that six by six here in Washington, and he was I didn't know it at the time, but slightly quartered towards him, and he put it right. I mean, like almost through the knuckle. On oh, thing, between the humerus and the and the scapula, and that was a G5 striker, and uh, it went in good. It it touched the far touched the far shoulder, so oh, that nice. bull went that bull went 40 yards. But and that was with a that wasn't with a super high penetration system. That was a 360 ACC, so you're dealing with a, a fairly fat arrow, right? A, a 246 right. diameter arrow, 125 grains in the front, not super fast. He was probably shooting 260 feet per second. Uh, but it, man, it did that bull in. That bull had a big body, man. It was, it was yeah. a big bone, big bone dude. So, yeah. So that that was a little vote of commas. But again, the point on that G5 striker is sharp, right? It's it's yeah. not a. It, you got to look at the very very tip, right? Mm-hmm. If that very very tip doesn't come to that sharp point, man, you're really defeating your business in there. You're taking energy away from your system. Yeah. So. No, I agree. I agree. I agree to. I agree to an extent. There's certain, like a tano tips that I found. Mm-hmm. It's a tano tip, and those aren't very like. This is just a regular tip, like you're talking about super point. This is an mm-hmm. Evo. Right. That's super point, pointy and, and sharp. But those mm-hmm. tano tips, I don't have one laying around in here in front of me. But you can go like this, and it doesn't. It doesn't hurt your hand. But mm-hmm. it's something about the design of it. Yep. It it. It, cho- it chops through shit like like nobody's it, business. It does, as long as a lot of those broadheads that have the the, the tanto tip on them, they're like they're like this. Oh, there we go. Right? There's a helix. This one's a pointy. Right. This has actual point on it, though. Right. So, but if you look at uh, oh, like a RMS gear cutthroat, yeah, or uh, an A bowyer, or any of those single bevel heads, right? Uh huh. You're dealing with the the tanto point is like this. You know, it, it should be slightly angled like this, and these these edges actually come to a to a blade point. edge, right? Yeah. They come to an yeah. edge, not not necessarily a point, but they come to an edge. But in the manufacturing process, on a lot of these, the blade edge stops, right? right? The blade edge only comes to the very tip, and then the tip is actually like this. Wow, it's edge. blunt. It's yeah. not even. It's like squared on, and it's all. And that is the part where you have to actually finish that with a sharpening system, you know, like a wheel or whatever you're using. And then you'll get the tanto point penetration that you're talking about because that'll start that unilateral torsion. That'll start that wedge effect so it splits those bones. So, But right. man, a lot of them, you've really got to look at them because they're dull in the front. Mm-hmm. And so just, just be aware of that, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so... I'm I'm with you. I like the uh, I like the idea of imagining a red ball in the center. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's a like that's a really good way for people to visualize. There used to be an app that the Whitetail guys uh, put out. I can't remember what uh, what what's, what it's called, but you, you used to be able to spin the deer. You know, it was like a 3D deer all the way around, and then show the angle that your arrow hit, and it would mm-hmm. tell you. You could shoot the arrow, and it would tell you what you hit mm-hmm. based on your, the trajectory of the arrow and the, and the impact point and all that stuff. It was pretty cool, but it was like that. You can see the, you know, you can see all the all the organs inside, and you mm-hmm. rotate this at, on, on all angles. You know, 360 degrees. It was right. badass. Uh, I don't know if that app I believe disappeared. Uh, there, there's a new there's a new app that I just saw that does does similar things. I can't remember the name my of phone. it. I think I still have it on my phone, but the the support for it hmm. has gone away. Anyway, my my whole point is like if studying those things, studying those diagrams, right, helps. I think helps tremendously for you to. Visualize and when people when people harvest when the people harvest something right when you kill a deer or you kill an elk when you take that thing apart really I mean get up there in the front of that chest see where those bones are take pictures right Mm -hmm. see what it looks like when it's skinned out and you know take pictures before you skin it and you know I've I've done so many necropsies on critters now with a with a vet standing right there on Mm -hmm. on elk and bison and and deer and bighorn sheep and all these critters, you know, dealing with the vet, you can you're right there and you can ask the questions like, what's this and why why does this happen in the bow hunting world? Like, there is no such thing as no man's land. There is no plural space above the lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've taken elk apart right there with the vet. We've basically taken the top half of the elk off and said, okay, doc, here's the deal. In bow in the bow hunting world, there's this thing called no man's land. And it's it's this people believe there's a space between the top of the lungs and the spine, and mm-hmm. the arrows go through there, and you know it doesn't really do anything to the critter, and they run off, they have a 300 yard blood trail, and then nothing happens, and they're chasing cows an hour later, mm-hmm. and and the vet told me there is no plural space there; those lungs go all the way to the spine. But the problem is, is when the broadhead enters those lungs that high, mm-hmm. it doesn't damage the lung enough to collapse it. Ah. So that's why you get in a no, you know, quote unquote, no man's land hit. You get lung blood because you did hit their lungs, but it's not enough damage to collapse the lung. That's so, crazy. That's something I never knew. Yeah, I so never knew it, that. I, you know, I always you, believed there was a no man's land because I've seen deer, not elk, but I've seen deer that were hit in that same spot the following year with a scar. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Like, that, how, yeah, how, I mean, how the hell did they survive? That's yeah, crazy. it just doesn't it doesn't collapse the lung. So they have they do have a cut in their lungs. You do get some lung blood for about 300 yards, and then it it peters out, and they literally it is a totally non lethal hit. So you know, but when you look at the front, you know, check out how the bone structure is in that front. See mm-hmm. where those blood vessels are. See that that U shaped cavity where the where the windpipe sits up against the spine, and all those things. So you can see where the carotid is, where the jugular is, and where is that notch, right? I mean, a lot of these frontal shots, you're actually hitting the carotid jugular notch where they, where they come together at that, at that fork, right? right? You know, down at the base of that neck. And, man, that's where you see that massive blood loss. But, 
even with that, I mean, that bull or whatever can still go a significant distance. It's going to be one hell of a blood trail, but yeah. they can still go a big distance when you hit those, that vein or that artery. So, but, uh, yeah, knowing where those things are is, is way, puts you way ahead of the game as far as when you're, that bull presents itself or that buck presents itself right there in front of you and you know where to aim, you know how to aim. And you know that your equipment is capable of getting to the red ball, right? Right, right. So, so I know in my article I gave some of my rule of thumbs about distance and about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but let me back up first. On an elk, um, what what is the what is your sweet spot size? What are you aiming for? Like, like how like how big do I believe the vitals are, or how or big of a spot how, am I looking at, or what do you? How think big of a spot or opening do you think that you have when you're taking a frontal shot? Like how much? Um, I would say. Let me think about this for a second. It's probably seven inches wide, and somewhere around. It's taller than it is wide because it's kind yeah. of an it's kind of an oval where those those ribs it's probably at least nine inches tall. I would say I, it's a I, fairly I put big. In my article, I put I I, I want to say I put eight eight to eleven eight eight by eleven. Yeah, is that is that opening on yeah. an elk and on a deer? I know it's probably it's actually probably about the same. Mm-hmm. There's a there's that one. Like what you would consider a clavicle on us. Yep. Mm-hmm. That one spot that you want to miss, but if you were to hit below it, those ribs that come together right there, mm-hmm. as long as you don't hit where they actually come together, right? Hit in the rib itself, most yeah, broadheads should be able to get through that. There's that breastplate oh. that comes up. Now, you so right. when you say, when you talk about eight and a half by 11, you got to remember that when you get to the edges of that, yeah, you're, you're into bones. Right. right, you're going to yeah. be hitting those bones. Not that you can't defeat those bones; they're just rib bones, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're not huge structural structural masses in there. But um, you know, I as far as distance goes, for me, mm-hmm. I won't shoot. I won't shoot a bull front on with my stick bow past 15 yards. Okay. And that's not an accuracy problem. I think it's more of a more of a power problem. Power problem. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to be shooting a significant distance with that. With a compound, I mean, it depends on your shooting ability, really, and and how right. how how relaxed is that critter? Um, you know, when they when they're coming in with this bull calling cow's bugle, they are coming in. They're they're displaying the entire way, and they're moving very slow. If you're able to get the full draw and they I mean they really they're head up because they're coming to kill you right so they're very alert but they're not so spooky they're they're coming in with a different attitude like a, I'm gonna kill right. you type attitude so it's not like you call them in they're just all wired up so uh, I'm not so worried about them jumping the string on those frontals either okay. so yeah 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 so I that's had, it I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry I had a bull in 2014 here in Arizona, um, we were calling him in and he was coming straight in. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy was co- behind me calling and I had one of those Montana decoys that you mm-hmm. hang from the tree. I think it was the right. Fred Eichler one. Mm-hmm. It was hanging in the tree 
and he was coming right at me and I was at full draw and he was at 20 yards and I was just about this, I was just in the process of squeezing off mm-hmm. and the wind blew and blew that decoy. Oh, yeah. And he jumped. And so when I hit him, he actually jumped and spun at the same, mm. and I hit him in the ass at 20 yards. Oh. He got all the way around. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. I've shot, I've shot frontal deer, uh, black tails out of a tree stand Mm-hmm. And they were able to turn enough to where I hit them, like you said, right in the X, right behind the shoulder, mm-hmm. and the arrow would exit like in that back hip. So, from a tree mm-hmm. stand, my favorite shot is a frontal shot, and when they you squeeze it off right when they look up at you. Yeah. And it and it goes in there and it comes out the between their le- their two front right. legs and, and hits the dirt <laughs> below. Them. It's the yeah. easiest blood trail possible because oh, all yeah. the blood is right there at the bottom. Yep. It's falling yep. straight down, closest to yep. the ground. Yep. And then every every deer that I've ever killed that way has hasn't gone more than forty yards and literally painted a red road red road for right. Me. Yep. Like, yep. That's pretty cool. You don't even have to bend over and look for blood. Like you know, just oh, right. there's blood. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. Th- th- that is my favorite funnel shot. Yeah. Um, I had a, a very similar. The, uh, it was actually the opposite. I was down low, and mm-hmm. a I was coming up, and I peeked over the top, and there was this antelope that I was, and I, I actually got a video of it. It's on mm-hmm. my YouTube, uh, but it's actually labeled frontal shot. Mm-hmm. And he came up, and I shot in an upwards direction at him. So it came in low here, and it came out, you know, somewhere. I don't remember how, but, uh-huh. I, and, uh, man, that thing, he, he got like 60 yards, but I, I, I didn't even have to look over. Like, I didn't have to bend my head to look at the blood trail. It was just right. painted. <laughs> so, yeah, but, it's uh, the, the frontal, frontal, frontal blood trails are awesome. I mean, they're, yeah. they're good. You get, you get that thing in there, you get it penetrated far enough in, you know, and you only have to reach basically the center of the vitals. You don't have to, I mean, a lot of times the the broadhead will keep going through the diaphragm and through the liver and through the guts and all that stuff. But, you know, if you get that arrow buried halfway in, get that where it's basically in between their shoulders, the broadhead's in mm-hmm. between their shoulders, it's, I mean, you're in the middle of the red ball, man. So how many inches of penetration do you, would you say that is? Um, let me think here. On an elk. On an elk, if he if the elk's got his head up, where you're not having to go through so much neck, like if they've got right. their head out straight, it's a lot farther. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. you'd have to you'd have to get probably 14 inches of penetration to get yeah. back into. That's if the elk's got his head up. So, yeah, 14 inches would probably get you in between the in between the shoulders. I'll have to measure that exact distance though. But as long as I so see half the arrow going, no, know that if they made that shot and they're seeing twenty inches of their arrows, the arrow sticking out, that they mm-hmm. might need to give that bull some time, right? <laughs> you know, before yeah. they go looking for him, or sure. or something that I'm just you know just a rule of thumb. You know, I mean, if you there's, there's the nothing. Fletching, then if you bury yeah. to the fletching or you don't see the arrow anymore, then you know, right? You're pretty right. much you're pretty much going to get most of the goodies. Right. You know? And, you know, if you're if you're shooting good stuff, you're not going to have that eight inches of penetration. It's going yeah. – it should go in. Right. Right? It's not a huge structure that you're trying to get through. 
So. Especially if you don't hit the structure, you know, and you, right. get, it through, if, you get it through yeah. the football. I call it right. the football. Right, yeah, it's perfect, right? It's perfect shape. I mean, that's what it is, right? That's the shape of it. So you get it through that football, man. There's nothing stopping it. It should be going yeah, exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah, it should unless come out you, It's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're shooting something that, that took away a bunch of your energy, like a yeah. dull broadhead or a mechanical or whatever it may be. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, I know we're, we're missing a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Okay, so body position. Okay. Mm -hmm. Frontal shot or quartering two can mean a bunch of different things to people. There's sure. certain angles that are absolute no-nos for me mm -hmm. that I won't take. Mm -hmm. What are those for you? It's Again, it's that it's that quartered two where that, that scapula comes down and meets the humerus. When that covers the red ball, I'm not trying to get through that. Right. right? If I go, you know, at that particular angle, if I go in front of it, I'm barely going to catch the front edge of the vitals. If I go behind it, I'm barely catching the back. Right. So I'm not, I don't chance that. And that, unfortunately, is a very common position for, for bulls and bucks to get into. Uh, especially, especially if they see you, they detect you in some way, shape, or form. They stop at that particular angle to where their shoulder covers their vitals, covers the red ball. So that's a big no-no for me. And then when you get when you get so quartered away that I've got to go, I've got to put the arrow right at the front edge of the back hips, right? Right. If you know, right where that front edge of that hind quarter is, that's too much stuff to go through for me, yeah. for my system. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, it's a very deadly shot if you if you have the stuff that will get through there, which a lot of maybe you know most compound systems will get you through that. But shooting my stick bow, I don't like that one. I like it a little bit more, a little bit more broadside. Um, not well. I mean, so talk I'm, degrees angle. Talk degrees angle a little bit. So that I guess I don't know. How that, yeah, maybe yeah I mean, maybe that's maybe that's not a good way to describe. Yeah, it. just so you know, if if I have to go through the guts to get to the vitals. Okay. Not yeah. not doing that, right? If yeah. it's turned enough to where I can go through the liver, the liver. To go through the vitals, yeah. I'm good with that, right? Totally yeah. good with that. But so you can imagine how much of an angle that needs to be. But I'm not trying to put my arrow through a big mass of chewed up grass and shrubs and stuff, right? Just yeah. to get there. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm with you on elk. Even with the compound, I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of that super super heavy. On deer, no, no problem at all. Matter of fact, that deer in, in Florida, mm -hmm. that was the most heavily quartering away shot I've ever taken in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, the the buck was about five degrees off from being straight away from me. Like, oh wow! Did you I have to put it through hindquarter meat? I I I cut his hide a mm. gash like that long. Gotcha. Before like, it went in, for people can't see what I'm doing here. That was about about a seven inch gash on that side. Like that's how it's just sliding it past, and it came mm. out. It came out the shoulder. And so, what broadhead did you shoot him with? The Schwacker. Oh, okay. The mechanical. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they're the they're two blade. Yeah, it's uh. Hundred grain. Hundred grain, but I have seventy grains of outsert. So oh, okay. So all the 170 grams up front. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I've had, yeah we've it, had really so good luck this, with. Had really this good luck particular, with this is about the only mechanical I'll ever shoot, um, mm -hmm. based on all the testing that I've done. Mm -hmm. I, I have, believe it or not, I've actually made 
improvements to this and I got my own design, but I'll probably mm-hmm. never bring it to, to fruition. But um, the one thing about this broadhead, not that I want to get off on off topic here, but or it's not really off topic, but on a tangent, the um, because of the way this tip is so the way it is, it mm-hmm. enters so much before the blades hit, and mm-hmm. these blades break through the ribs before the ribs get before right. the, the blades deploy. Right. So you already have the penetration. Now the one drawback to that is if you don't get a pass through, mm-hmm. your blood trails are usually pretty small because you only got a one inch hole going in. Right. Right. Even though it opened up two inches and did a bunch of damage sure. inside. Sure. They, they die, but the blood trail's not as good. So Yeah. So that's why yeah, we've had people. Yeah, we've had good luck with Schwackers. So sure. Yeah. I, I've always had I've always had great luck with them. I've shot them for eleven years or ten years now, something like that. But yeah. uh, I was on the pro staff forever. I'm not on the pro staff anymore, by the way, just so in case anybody no. wants to know I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not uh, pushing them, but the yeah. Um, yeah, I've always had great luck with them. I've also lost, you know, in the, in the recent few years, I lost a couple. I had mm. I had it previous previously. I've I mean, it was all shot placement. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the broadhead. I did not lose. I did not lose deer because of the broadhead. I lost it because I made a shitty ass shot. And, mm. But there was a couple that I felt like if I was shooting a fixed blade or, yeah, it was more, mainly if I was shooting a fixed blade, I feel like I would have got mm-hmm. the penetration from that angle that I was shooting, and I would have yeah. still recovered the deer. But, got it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else here that we didn't cover. Um, I think attitude of the animal like you were saying how alert they are mm-hmm. and stuff like that like for me personally it depends on the distance if a deer's looking at me or an elk's looking at me and is aware of my presence mm-hmm. i'm definitely not taking a longer shot yeah i'm definitely not taking a shot where you know um my arrow's not going to get there fast enough. And I'm also, maybe this is a stupid thing to do. I'm sure I'll get castrated for it, but I always anticipate reaction of the deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you and I talked about this right before we started about one of my diagrams. Right. I, you know, guys in the whitetail woods do this all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I'll aim here, and if I, if he ducks my string i'm still going to be good if he doesn't duck my string i'm still going to hit the bottom of this and that you know that's Mm kind of my mentality i grew up that way and um so the same thing with a frontal shot so i will aim in a spot like in in my article there's a diagram of a a mule deer that joe had pointed out i'm aiming a little bit to the left of where the exact sweet spot is like Mm -hmm. but if i hit him there I have a very good chance of him, of me recovering that deer. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very good chance. And if he reacts a little bit, I'm going to end up hitting the very perfect spot, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of why I do that. So Yeah, and that's, you know, that's, that's knowing body language and knowing how these things react. I, I've had to aim completely off critters before. Yeah, oh, you know? especially, especially with, yeah, with a stick bow. Yeah. With a stick bow in, in Texas, 
I mean, axis deer and, and whitetails, man, oh. they get they get all the way out of the way. So I mean, have you ever I shot at a black buck? Uh, no, have not. No, not Those yet. Those are they, they will worth? jump up and lay flat, like their <laughs> front legs and back legs. It's like a, a single line. I mean, that's how fast they move. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I've I've missed these things by a foot over their back, you know, and and yeah. and still aiming low. So I remember one time I had to aim. The first doe came in, I aimed right for her heart, shot right over her back. Next one came in like 10 minutes later, <laughs> I aimed a little lower, and that one whirled a different way. It went down and away, and that my arrow went right in front of it. So now I aimed below its guts on the oh, next God. one, and it just it turned right into it and <laughs> smoked it. But, you know, that's that stuff that's only because it's Texas and you get lots of shot opportunities. But yeah. you know, that that picture that you have with that dot, yeah, you're if you hit where the dot is, you're still gonna be well within the vitals. The sweet spot is definitely a little bit further back, but if that deer reacts then then you got him too. So Yeah. That's good stuff. I, I'd say that's my that's my rule of thumb is aim where you got your, give yourself some wiggle room. Yeah. More than likely, they're going to react a little bit somehow. Right. Even if they're unsuspecting. Like, I feel yeah. like, I don't know. It depends. If it's a really windy day and they're not going to hear your bow go off or, mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to hear the arrow coming at them. Stuff right. like that makes a difference, yeah. I think. Um, and then how heavy of an arrow do you shoot? I don't shoot a very heavy arrow at all. Um, anywhere... Between 443 is my deer setup and 465 is my elk setup. And, and that's going, you said 282 feet per second, I think, somewhere in there? Yeah, 282 is my my uh, my heavier setup and like mm -hmm. about two, almost 290 mm. with, the, with the lighter setup. Yeah, that thing's so, cooking. Yeah. Plenty of power. Plenty of power in that system for sure. Right. Well, I... I mean, I always came from, again, this is just like my talking about the, to where to aim. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a medium guy. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I, I like, like enough speed. I like enough FOC. I like mm -hmm. enough weight. Like I don't want extreme FOC. I don't want extreme weight. I don't want mm -hmm. extreme speed and super light either. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like you get the best of all worlds if you're kind of right in between. Yeah. And for instance, um, uh, I shot a bull here in 2016, and it was a broadside shot, and I would never do this on a frontal shot or anything like that, but it was mm -hmm. 83 yards, mm -hmm. and I had a pass-through yeah. with mechanical. Mm. And, and at the time, my setup was 426, mm. 426 grains total weight. Yeah. You know... Is it possible? And I, I honestly, I didn't look that day. Did I? I'm trying to remember. No, yeah, it took out a rib. It took out, yeah, it took out ribs on both sides. Mm. I, I was trying to think maybe, oh, did it pass, you know, without yeah, having, having to hit yeah. the ribs or whatever? You know, sometimes you mm -hmm. get lucky in the, the broadhead. No, but I, I'm pretty sure it did. It hit ribs, like both in and out. And yeah. I say a pass through. It didn't, it came out and it was hanging by the fletching on the opposite sure. side. So he ran away with it and it eventually fell out. But, um, yeah, I mean, did I get lucky? I don't know, but did, did, uh, I, I think, and I'm oh, sorry, prior to that, prior to that, every elk that I've ever shot, cows, bulls, whatever, 
have all been with a relatively light setup, mm -hmm. you know, and in a compound. Also, I never shot it. I never shot a bull with a. I never shot an elk period with a, a recurve or a longbow. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't that's... know. I just so I feel like being at four sixty is like enough. Like for me, I, sure. I feel like I got enough punch. It's got enough kinetic energy. And, you know, so it's just, it just comes down to the broad head you're shooting and the yeah. and shot placement. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't shoot super heavy setups with my stick bows as far as mass weight goes. Mm -hmm. I do go way toward that extreme forward to center just because of the forgiveness benefits that I get right. of having that arrow pulled through the air instead of being pushed through the air by the shaft. I mean, the head weight weighs way more than the shaft weight. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's essentially, you know, pulling it and you don't get as much flex in the arrow when it hits the critter. Mm -hmm. which is robbing you of, of energy. So when you shoot these things for extreme accuracy out of a stick bow, man, you really see the benefits. Once you get over like 25% FOC, you start mm -hmm. to see the change and your arrow flight is much more forgiving and it's just absolutely stunning how perfect it is. I mean, just little bullet holes through paper and your broadhead right. flights, money and all that stuff. That Going toward that extreme level of S FOC I mean, like I said, I'm 30 plus percent now. I imagine there's probably something. Now, definitely in compounds, there's too much. Yep. There gets to a point where, you know, you're getting, you get up to 25% on your compound, you're probably going to be dealing with arrow flex issues and oh, tail terrible. high, tail low, all I, kinds of craziness. Anything over 18%, honestly. Right. So, I, but, I, I found that I did a bunch of research this year mm -hmm. from on a compound bow, 14 to about 17%. I like 16% is my favorite mm -hmm. FOC. And I have, you know, if you want to go up and wait, okay, make the shaft, you know, go in a stiffer right. shaft. That's the problem is everybody's so underspined. Like, you know, I had a guy come in and I was helping him out. Like, I mean, he was shooting freaking spaghetti noodles. Like, yeah, right. you're 30 inch draw and you're shooting, you know, 340 at 72 pounds. Mm hmm. With you know 150 grains up front, it's yeah. spaghetti noodles. Right. Is wonder why it doesn't have the tight group. Now right. I'm with you. I'll definitely I, on my recurves. I, I don't know if I can even see it, but I I have 225 plus the collar, like 250 grains up front, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I shoot a full length 400. Right. Like I don't cut, I don't cut them. I shoot them full yep. length because that yep. point on me for too. me is. Yep. Um, and I shoot the Valkyrie also. Sure. Yeah, I mean, when you it, it's, it's, it's got massive benefits in the stick bow world just because you're not yep. pushing that arrow so hard. But Amazing. man, in Amazing. the compound world, man, you can definitely go away. <laughs> you can get on the on the wrong end of that. Well, thing, I so. try to. I worked with Brent a little bit mm -hmm. um, when I my couple years ago, my first trip out to Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, I built up fairly heavy. I want to say it was 664, 665 grains total weight. Wow. Uh, I was shooting a 250 spine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, it shot great, man. I took it. I shot 3D with it that summer mm -hmm. or whatever just to practice. And I shot well with it. Mm -hmm. But my major thing about that was, and it happened to me. And I knew it was, for some reason, I think <laughs> I, manifest, I manifested it is what happened. Yeah. Is that I ranged and then I moved forward. And I didn't rearrange. And in my head, I was like, okay, he's at this yardage. Uh -huh. And on top of it, I'm almost positive I picked the wrong pin. Mm. Almost positive that I picked the wrong pin. 
and I hit him and I hit him in the brisket. Mm-hmm. I hit him low. And I just kept playing that over and over again in my head. Mm-hmm. If I was shooting my normal setup. Yeah, you just smoked him. <laughs> I, I would have smoked him because even at that, because at that range, my drop right. would have been probably half of what it was. Yep. Even if it was three inches difference. Mm-hmm. And not half, you know, not four or five, six inches. He was like two, three right. inches. I probably would have got the bottom of the lungs. And he yep. would have been dead. Probably. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I hit him in the brisket, smoked straight through him, 50-something yards. It was a mm-hmm. complete pass through, stuck into a tree. Oh, and there yeah. was blood all over the tree he was raking. And sure. Like, I tracked him for a mile. <laughs> I tracked him for a mile. I was bleeding like a son of a bitch the whole way, but yeah, he dried up. Yep. And... and not only that, it dried up. We got him to bugle back at us like an hour later. <laughs> yeah. That's a sickening feeling, isn't it? Right. Well, it's it's, kind of it's, it's a good feel. It's a good time. feeling that yeah, yeah, you know he's going to be alive, but right, it's kind exactly. of sickening that yeah. So yeah. So no. All right, man. Well, I think uh, we covered it all. We yeah, uh, cool. hopefully. We made some sense to some people. It's kind of hard to do podcasts about stuff like this. You, I feel like you got to be video and have diagrams and be able yeah, to show people. Do, but I mean, your your article is good though, man. It's got great pictures in it. Go and look at that, and and uh, you know, know your equipment, know your ability. You know, go do a broadhead test or two, right? You know, I mean, just yeah. And or or just I mean other, there's been a lot of broadhead tests done so go watch some of them see what it is how much does it how much pressure does it take to get through neck hide on an elk mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the side of an elk I'm talking about the front right so right. that neck hide is significantly hairy, thicker furry it, stuff <laughs> yeah it's got it's got way coarser hair on it right it dulls broadheads so you know you gotta you know act accordingly with it know yep. what your target is so. Yeah, yeah, good work, man. And that, and then practice, man. Practice the shot. That's yep. the thing. Get a 3D and start putting in those those crazy mm-hmm. angles and see if you can hit what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like that. I mean, that's key. And yeah, I think you cool. need to. I think especially for elk hunting because it's, it's something coming into you and it's pissed off and it wants to right. take your head off. Yeah. You know, I think you got to put yourself into pressured situations to, mm-hmm. because that's where everybody falls apart. Sure. You know, I, I used to joke around about this all the time, like um, guys that were here in Arizona or you know anywhere in the West, mm-hmm. if I took those guys hunting and I put an animal in front of them, I had less confidence, even though they've been hunting for years mm-hmm. out West and taking long shots and mm-hmm. usually better shooters and all that other stuff. I'd take a guy from the Midwest any day of the week mm-hmm. because they're used to that close quarters, a, a big buck mm-hmm. comes in, your heart's going and whatever, mm-hmm. and it just comes out of the blue. You know, you're just sitting there minding your own business and you look over your shoulder and there's a freaking deer standing underneath mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God, it's time to do something. Right. You know? and, and you get to shoot so many more arrows right. at critters. Exactly. Exactly. That's why That's Texas, I, I mean, Texas people should be phenomenal <laughs> because right. they just have oh, so yeah. many opportunities. Was, if I lived in Texas, I'd be like Legolas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, what's that uh, Robin Hood men in tights I put like five yeah. arrows on yeah. them <laughs> there you go <laughs> oh man alright well I appreciate you coming on and taking you the bet, time man. we'll uh, definitely catch up with you and in, in, uh, towards the end of the season here and see how everything went yeah we got lots of hunts coming up man yep 
All right, brother. Take it easy. Right. Take care, bro. Bye.